This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This one is kind of a holiday tradition for us, but this is kind of a unique year for us. So every year around this time of year, we take a look at some trends that we're monitoring in the market as we get to the holidays and lead into tax season. Last year was a complete bear market because, you know, the free money train was rolling in, the reserve list explosion happened and sustained. And this year, things are very different. Mm -hmm. We still don't have paper events, really. Uh, we had Vegas, right. where the only coverage was a crowdsourced top 64 list. Yep. And that's kind of all we have to go on. So the market's kind of a little strange right now. Uh, I and found that's... out. Yes. Uh, there was actually the equivalent of a 5K in Europe a huh. couple of weeks ago, maybe around the same time as Vegas. I didn't know about it until uh, I was listening to Dominaria's Judgment, uh, Ari Lax's and yeah. Dominic Harvey's podcast. They went over the Vegas results two, yeah. uh, two weeks ago, and they also covered the results of that. So, to your point, very few tournaments, but what's happening in region is not really making it out of region. Vegas is Vegas, right? Yeah. Come to Vegas, play Magic if you care. Right. And it's... So that's what we're covering. Is those market trends, how things are different, how it compares to previous years, mm -hmm. and what really is the thing that matters most to us as we trek through the holidays and what's important. So, without further ado, let's get started. Now, this is not to go against what we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is are we changing our methods as we move towards paper play or as we stay longer in the, the pandemic if you know variants pop up? This is specifically for the holidays because things happen differently. And you mentioned a big one, corporate taxes, where you get yeah. taxed on your inventory. So you don't necessarily want to liquidate, but you definitely want to push out as much as you possibly can. So the one of the big things that... I try and look for is sealed from vendors that allow promo codes to stack on top of their sales. And they may not be the greatest promo codes, but 5% is still 5%. And the reason I want to go with vendors is because their cost on sealed is much less than those posting to TCG player. And the majority of posts on TCG, TCG player aren't vendors, they're individuals. Now, yeah. the one thing I do care about when I'm looking at this is what I will pay as opposed to, or in comparison to the EV from Dawn Glare. And the closer we can get, the more opportune this is going to be for me. I This is really the first year I'm going to have both the funds and the space to do this. And what I'm going to look for is seal that is still in print. So basically, standard sets. Right now, my ideal is Zendikar. For two reasons. There's the buy a box promos. Or not the buy a box sure. promos, there's the, the promo inserts in the boxes. And yeah. I think that set is an EDH gold mine. It just hasn't really been recognized yet. There's a lot going on in that set. It was a pandemic special. And yeah. I it's not as highly allocated as we need it to be, yet there's still a lot of it flowing right now uh, in terms of uh, open cards nothing like 
uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and Strixhaven, where you know we got back, quote unquote, to paper play. But there's still a lot of Zendikar that was open for the above reasons. But I think this is going to be a set that will ripen like or age like a fine wine. And so for me, sitting on this one's going to be a pretty easy win. And I'd hate to say it, but it's kind of the only plane that I care about sitting on sealed four. Uh, financially speaking, it was the first plane I was able to buy into and hold sealed four. And it's not like that holds any kind of charm, but it's like the more I think about it, the more Zendikar as a plane resembles a financial opportunity, regardless of when we go back to it. It's kind of like Ravnica. Ravnica, generally speaking, is an easy win for a hold. We're yeah. way past prime for that. That would have been holidays like four years ago. But I think for me, it's Zendikar this year. I wish Call Time would have held up a little better than it did, and I wish Ikoria weren't as so narrowly allocated as it was. Otherwise, I could look at those sets, but yeah, for those reasons, they kind of push out, and here we have Zendikar, and that's the one I'm going to look for, but like I said, vendors during sale times that hopefully allow me to stack promo codes. Yeah. I My, my big trend that I was watching this year was, as I do every year, pay attention to the power retrace uh and what was really interesting this year is you know last year the retrace happened like normal despite the fact that the free money train was rolling yep. uh this year the retrace plateaued much much sooner than it did in previous years mm -hmm. instead of like a 10 to 15 percent retrace we only saw like a five percent retrace on these prices and in some cases they're starting to go back up and twister was even less i don't think twister retraced much if at all no uh, it, it was just very interesting to see, like, in a time of financial uncertainty, when people are out of jobs, you know, unemployment's high, whatever, Watsi is just pouring shit out as quickly as they can. Product release, product release, product release. Uh, there's We cover it in a Quick Hits episode, how there's a month next year that just... Or a quarter. Or a quarter next year that has like six releases or something like that over a short and three span. three of them, at a minimum, maybe four are draftable. Yeah. It averages out and to like 2.6 times that per month they expect people to be in a store to draft uh, something new. Be yeah, it a pre-release or a release. It's ridiculous. Not happening. And despite all of that, the blue chips in the investment field of Magic maintained a lot of value this year, which is not typical. Uh, well... They retain value better than other yes, things yeah. do. But the retrace was not nearly as long as it had been in previous years. And that was incredibly interesting to me because all of the signs out there besides crypto point to a much larger retrace, which leads into crypto obviously has a much bigger impact on the power market than it does the rest of the magic market at large to the point that I'm almost starting to see it as a separate market from the rest of mtg finance power is in its own sphere mm -hmm. as it always has been but it's almost a separate currency compared to like dual lands and stuff like that. i got it okay that makes sense so yeah that that was something that was interesting and it was also seeing that people were paying near tcg numbers on that power was the big tip off for me uh because you know sick deals is 10 percent below tcg low yep. there was legitimately power that moved at those numbers and not at ebay numbers 
And in some cases, it was five hundred to a thousand dollars more yep. for the TCG price, and people still paid it. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, we also saw at Vegas, um, as it goes, image dumps of hot lists, and I think uh, Toa took on the responsibility of floating yeah. Lotus. Yeah, they floated Lotus, and I think it was fourteen. Yep, something like that. Just ridiculous. And uh, the, uh, they had a handful of uh, photos go up, and one of them was uh, a two for one on Lotuses. Yeah. Trading to unlimited of some condition for one unlimited that was crimped or something. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like those that were in the reserve list market for blue chip pieces were making were, were going to be able to make money hand over fist because of this retrace. And a yeah. question was asked, I think again of Toa. Well, what about old school cards, old school staples, and basically. Uh, I think it was Michael who responded and the TLDR on it was exactly what you said which is we bought old school cards that matter Yeah. a fourth change of, chains of Mephistopheles is not a good investment no that was the tweet, the end and that they, they were very honed in on exactly what they needed no chaff, yeah. only wheat just going for the bread and butter that's actually going to sell yep. and keeping conscious. And this is something that, you know, this was another trend I've noticed just over the last year, not necessarily the holidays, is more vendors are starting to say no to carts. And it used to be, you know, out of a 10 vendor hall, seven of them would say yes to everything. Yeah. You know, they, they you might not like the number, but they'd give you a number on it. And more and more vendors are starting to be more careful about their money, particularly like the bigger vendors, you know, 95 spent, you know, mid six figures is what I'd heard at Vegas. Same with Toa. You know, these large companies spent this amount of money, but they were particular about how they spent it, mm -hmm. which has not always been the case. So vendors are starting to get smarter about it, which means you as a customer need to get smarter about it. You need to check your hot lists. You need to check your staples. You need to check the market outside of just the hall. Yes, yeah. And it's becoming more and more important to be an educated consumer because of that. Uh, and in addition, you know, just paying the right price and knowing what the right price is on a card. Uh, a friend of mine picked up a box topper mana vault for foil for $260. And he was like, well, it said 350 on TCG. I'm like, yeah, that said that was the market price low was like 250 so you paid ten dollars more to get it right away which is fine yeah but now it's down to 200 dollars. Yeah. so now he's trying to get rid of it and you know all of a sudden i'm out 60 bucks so because this... i bought it thinking it was a hundred dollars cheaper yep, so is the scramble you pay attention to uh the button quote unquote uh amazon term and yep. yeah you might get taken because tcg player is floating you a price that is not accurate of where things actually are but to, to come back from that wonderful tangent, the the one the other thing that I'm looking at is just continued EDH staples. And I, not in general, specifically for Modern Horizons 2. It's something we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, maybe months. As Modern Horizon moves out of print, it's a very good time to start looking at staples. And EDH in particular. Multi-format, great. So up top, multi-format cards like the Fetchlands and Yavimaya Cradle of Growth. A+, plus, I yep. think. After that, it just becomes pure EDH gold where you have tribal generals and staples, things like Chatterfang, 
uh, Patriarch's Bidding, and then Morari's Wake, which is another kind of gold standard card. And the the point I'm going to hammer home again is like sales and promo code layering is key for this. Yeah. Like not a lot of people are going to put sale premiums on EDH stuff, but any kind of bundling that I can do or shifting cards to credit to pick up via the, the credit bump and promo codes from someone yep. who has a glut is something I'm going to want to do, especially on cards that have been flat for a little too long, like Abamaya, when I made that pick a couple of weeks ago. And Patriarch's bidding, which tumbled. I think you can still, if you can arbitrage in bulk, I think you can still arbitrage Patriarch's bidding off of uh, MKM into the yeah. U.S. anywhere. But Patriarch's bidding should not be like a dollar or two. Whatever that card is right now, that's too cheap. There might have been the weird Fortel version in Call Time, but it costs too much in terms of mana. And it is not Patriarch's bidding. And when you can buy bidding for so cheap, you buy bidding. Yeah. I that That's just something you should do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I, I think it's, you know, that kind of mirrors what the other thing I was going to say was Fetchlands specifically. Uh, in addition to EDH, like for me, what I've been doing is literally arbitraging KTK fetches mm-hmm. into MH2 fetches. Because after seeing Secret Lair EDH, uh, I don't ever want to hold on to anything anymore. Yeah. yeah. Because they're just going to print it in a Secret Lair. We're going to get... I can almost guarantee in the next six months ktk fetches will see a reprint in some meaningful way to keep the price down again so i'm trying to arbitrage them now into mh2 fetches because they are way too affordable there is no reason scalding tarn should be 20 dollars, but here we are and i think you know paying attention to edh and again mh2 now that it's starting to dry up and this was the same thing that of all people I will never forget when MH1 came out. Edwin said, Silent Shin Shinobi or whatever, the Silent Oni Shinobi. Yep. That one, he was like, this is the card I want. I'm like, why? The card's terrible. He's like, it's five cents. Okay, makes sense. It's not five cents anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're going to see with MH2. To your point is paying attention to those EDH, like your Chatter Fangs. You can get full art Chatter Fangs for less than $3 now. Mm-hmm. That seems, you know, when Ragavan is running all over Constructed, which, good for Ragavan, but we know casual formats drive the market. So cards like Full Art Chatterfang are a good pickup. Cards like Fetchlands are a good good pickup. pickup. Yeah. And I think especially if you layer promo codes and coupon codes, or even if you just hit up the played case at your LGS, fine. Get what you can while you can, because these prices, despite my point of everything being a week away from getting reprinted for the fifth time. Uh, these prices won't last forever. No, not at you all. Know, Yavamaya Cradle of Growth is not going to be a $6 card forever. Ignoble Hierarch is not going to be a sub $6 card forever either. It's just not. No, and there, there is some fuzziness because previous Masters sets didn't have all the treatments that modern horizons 2 did but it doesn't matter at the end of the day these cards are going to churn you're going to be able to use them sell them trade them what have you and it's just going to be a matter of time we've been pumping fetches for a while we like to talk about modern horizons not modern masters 3 and the reprinting of the zenicar fetch lands and we've talked about that 
eventually will retrace back to Zendikar prices for those fetch lands. And the stocks article on Friday, it was either that one or an out of cycle article talked specifically about the fetch lands. And that is immediately applicable to everything from Modern Horizons 2 that is playable in EDH at a decent amount. And you can, the the things I want to stay away from are the cards that are tournament staples, specifically, uh, well, obviously, modern cards, but the cards that are good there but do not see EDH play. Like Plague Engineer and uh, Dothy, what is it? Voidwalker, right? Amazing cards from both sets. Cards great. Incredible tournament staples. Well worth whatever they're going to be in a year or two. But their ceiling is going to come a lot more slowly than an EDH card. Yeah. They'll get to that ceiling eventually, but it's not going to be like an EDH card. It's not going to retrace as quickly. The fetch lands withstanding. Right, that they're just something different. People will just gobble those things up for all formats based on the price. But it's going to be the yeah. EDH cards that we're going to see a larger profit on sooner. If you want to move on tournament staples, I don't blame you. But the same things apply. You know, I'd still look for sales layer coupon codes and then just move in like that. You know, we're we're well past the point where we've hit the minimum price for everything, and I so I think that's the the most important thing to look out for. Yeah, uh, I would have said because I love the set dealer dearly thanks to Triomes, but I don't think those are going to go down much over time. Aquarius out of print, we're never going to get any more of it. And if we do see Triomes in new whatever the the new wedge set, whatever it's supposed to be, if we do finish out the cycle there, then those could be the dual lands quote unquote that we see in standard moving forward and so i am kind of a, a little uneasy um i don't know well, i think yeah. for me i'm fine with those because at least the icoria ones are plain specific that's what i was going to say is i didn't know if all of those were plain specific or not but at the same time so were the temples from theros and they pulled those Fair. out for core sets yeah so which are we still getting core sets mm. I guess, I guess we got an M21, so probably. Yeah, let me check. I just can't one. remember seeing one in next year's release. Uh, I was looking for the commanders, the yearly commander sets in next year's releases, and I couldn't figure anything out, but I think uh, Keyforce filled out, and I do not see immediately. On the surface, nothing looks like a core set, but we have Dominaria again, so, like, maybe? Yeah, it could happen. Yeah. I guess. New Capenna. I was thinking Capernia, so that's wrong. Yeah. And the Lord of the Rings set is 2023, so that's two years out. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. We have Dominaria United and the Brothers War. So it's like, right. could one of those be an actual core set? Yeah, when we got Dam- Dominaria previously, we still got a core set. But the Brothers War harkens back to Dominaria again. So it's like Dominaria yeah. X3. So will this be the War of the Spark of the Dominaria sets? We don't know. Could it be a core set? Maybe. Who knows? But there's no dedicated core set. Uh, but as far as the holidays are concerned, uh, that's really what I'm looking at. And I feel like that's just going to be kind of cyclical for me. Is I think this is a, a fine formula. Whether or not we get a master set is kind of questionable. Um, yeah. Whatever. I don't want to say hot product is coming out. like, it, But whatever one is like really EDH applicable. And I think that's just going to be where I look. And I 
to the point that you made, holding a lot of this stuff is highly questionable. It's like, but at the same time, if you cast such a wide net, you're never going to get caught. Unless they do yeah. literally uh, an EDH deck in every secret layer bundle and they put Cabal Coffers in every one. Like, I just can't imagine getting caught sure, by yeah. so wide. No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that y your point is invalid. It, it, it's definitely true. You know, for people that want to sit on infinite soul rings, you might have a bit of a problem when they just put a soul ring out every month. But, like, yeah. or Lightning Greaves cards that are just, like, short printed anyway because they were in Mirrodin and then just supplementals. But, like, Looking, looking at these cards that were just printed, things, especially Mythics, it seems kind of difficult to get hoisted as yeah. well, right? The Fetchlands are regular rare, so they can be put in a Commander product, like a Secret Layer, whatever they want, and like financially it's kind of whatever. They take up a rare slot, but who cares? Because it's just somebody's twisted EDH deck. You know, the one we're yep. talking about, Gavin Verity wanted to make a flip coin deck. So, like, there you go. It's just random flip coins together. You don't have to play in the is. Paradigm. If here's a brand new set or here's a theme for the year, it's just like... All right, here's Iron Forsyth's deck. Here is um, Adam Prozac's deck. Here is Jacob Van Lunen's deck. And, like, sure, you got my fetches in there. Who gives a shit? Yeah, like, I, I was talking to someone today, and I said, you know, how long until we get Secret Lair Zoomer Jund? And all of a sudden, oh, here's, you know, three Renans, or a playset of Renan Sixes for $100. Who cares? You know, Watsy doesn't, clearly. So it's, like... Just ludicrous. Oh, absolutely. And I don't... I can't imagine truly getting caught out, but it does speak to wanting to churn through this a little faster. I think yeah. that that's also something to keep in mind: is the the lower, you know, the better the price, the the sooner you get in, the faster you can get out before you get got. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, that's it for me this year for holiday stuff, and I, I like I said, I imagine that's going to be cyclical uh, for me right now. Yeah, I think. You know, especially as we get to the holidays, these cycles become more and more important, especially over the last couple of years where we've kind of seen. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because we pay attention to this stuff year round. This is the time of year where for the last couple of years, I've seen the most change in the cycles. Like the fall reserve list boom happens every yep. year. You get a retrace, you get your modern season, you get your legacy season. EDH is always doing EDH things. But for the past couple of years, the holidays have been kind of an odd spot because things haven't been as typical as they had in previous years. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because of the holidays mm. or because of how releases are working now, where we're getting, I guess, two standard sets a month and a half apart or three sets a month almost or two, you know, whatever it was that we mathed out in Q2 next year. If that's impacting the change and that's something that, you know, I... You know, obviously, I want to know why it's happening because I'd like to understand that. But it's just been a weird couple of holiday seasons. I feel like yeah, there's been a lot going on with the change in products lately. Because remember, we used to get holiday bundles. Oh yeah. Big... Uh, fun fact: the original holiday bundle could support ogre's weight for about twenty minutes. Yeah. And that's that's both a, a hefty person and a hefty box. Yes. Uh, and. So we've seen the change in that. The commander stuff is no longer towards this part it's of the every year. Set now. Yeah, well, it's no longer. Yeah, it comes out every set, so you're no longer waiting for it, and it's you now get. Uh... So you get those. We have the challenger decks that were introduced sometime around call time, not call time. Cheese, uh, Kaladesh. 
Yeah. And uh, the ones we just got were Pioneer. So the return of Paper Play, people might be putting money <clears throat> there to play that format. Modern Horizons literally happened before and during COVID in the summer. So that changes where people allocate money, especially if they want to move into modern. It's just like the products that are good at making people open their purses are doing exactly what they have to for the average player. Yeah. Meanwhile, what usually happens, happens in regards to the reserve list, in regards to power, in regards to like, uh, high-end iconic cards. Yeah. I think it's that mid-level churn that you were mentioning that we've seen a lot less of around the holiday season because there's so many other products pulling eyes. You no longer have to buy singles for the player in your life. You could buy any number of infinite odds and ends for somebody. Yeah. And so I, I think it's really is just that thinning thinning the dollar. Yeah, I think so. Picks? Let's do right. it. I'll go first because we already talked about Ikoria. We'll give people a break. Sounds good. All right, so yeah. uh, my, my pick for the week is one I've had in my pocket uh, for six months now. Thought it was going to be longer, and it's a card that I've been. Is it a green EDH? Card? No, surprisingly, it's a blue one. Oh wow! It was okay. also a blue uh, standard tournament staple. Ooh, it, it, I've been waiting on this card to pop, not because I have uh, infinite of this type of card, but because I thought it would happen a lot sooner. Uh, it does a lot, and it is Biden of Vasa. Oh yeah, that card's insane. It is right. Uh, all the yeah. all the weapons are really good with their passive abilities. Every single one of them is outstanding. Um, the Biden of Thassa has an interesting activated ability compared to the others. Still good, but yes, interesting. And I put this on my list in June of 2021. CK was buying 155 at a dollar 15. TCG market uh, saw 162 near men or better English copies at 215. CK is now buying 162 at a dollar 35. I know it's like per single digit percentile changes there, and they're 190 on TCG Player at three dollars market. So we've seen both an increase in population and an increase in price in open market. And so that's you know where we are on this card. That's why I'm finally picking it. We've seen enough change in the market. It's been slow. It's been steady, and it's now impacting buy lists positively so i'll bring back the stocks graph and like you can see this card was basically a sleeper after it falls out of standard at cents a piece and finally starts picking up right around throne of eldraine i think that's that sets a mole in that time and you know just a real nice slope ever since on this getting up to like that three dollars market like i said as reported by tcg player not their api for some reason so, you know, as far as playability with the format goes, you know, this is not the card you want in a deck that doesn't go wide-ish, but the value you can accrue with even a mid-sized army is really good. And it's a stalwart go-to for a go-wide deck that can or will be playing blue. So, you know, your standard Selesny token, token deck obviously can't play this. It's got other options, a little bit different, a little bit better. So... In regards to where this sits in the format, you know the utility of this card is pretty on the nose. It does everything it says, and f the best example of what it does in the format is reading Tetsuo Umazawa Fugitive. You know the third most popular general for this deck. Creatures you control with power or toughness one or less can't be blocked. 
Bangarang Rufio. That's it. Now you're just drawing a card for every creature you attack with because generally speaking, the creatures you're making are not the largest. No, they Spoiler are Spoiler alert. Similar to cards like Keep Watch, which is a five mana value instant that basically says draw a card for each attacking creature you control. The idea is to keep you flush with cards while being able to play an aggressive style of game or, or a combo or combo west game with something like the Locust God. And it's a great casual style of card that lets you play to some gain, you know, bird people and other blue X tribes that can't that can go wide-ish, but just need a helping hand to keep up with card quantity since the overall card quality is low. And I know that sounds like a bit like a bunch of word salad, but basically at the end of the day, what this card does is it, is it allows you to play low power, both in terms of card quality and actual power of creatures decks and keep up with other people because you're just refilling your hand so you take a look at the generals on on rex and they're all over the place i mentioned the locust god which is obviously a combo general you have Psy master thopters down there as well that's going to be making thopters they're one ones you can buff them obviously you know um i mentioned uh, it, bird people that's kanji sky warden or the other kanji because they're both in the same deck essentially you have a bunch of merfolk and just a bunch of odds and ends even ninjas are on here and they're really small and that's kind of the problem but the boon of biden of thassa is that it just keeps you going it keeps you cranking because your creatures are not great <laughs> end yeah. of the day they're not great and you're not a dedicated combo deck unless you're playing the locust god and I mentioned it's got an interesting active activated ability and it can play quite interestingly at your table and I wouldn't count it out as a driver for price. Controlling combat, even lightly like this, can pay dividends in terms of success at most tables. So I mentioned the activated earlier, colorless in a blue, tap it creatures your opponents control, attack this turn if able. So you basically just make somebody enter combat. Usually this is a Boros ability, I think like Master Warcraft and what's Raging River controls combat, but that's like separating blockers and crap. Like Blue usually doesn't get this, and you can be a real pain in the ass with this card. And so it creates a weird and interesting situation. Like, yes, somebody could just murk you. <laughs> it doesn't say they can't attack you, so there's that. But it's an activated ability, it's unique, and so that can't be counted out as a driver. Now, based on the market price slope, which I mentioned earlier, and I'll bring up again, slow and steady, the fact that we are not, and the fact that we're not slated to go back to Theros anytime soon, and the commander decks we will be seeing through the summer will be bound to recent standard set releases, not Theros, I expect to be able to outbite it to buy list for profit solidly within six months. So it's just based on the slope that we're seeing. I wouldn't touch any version of this card that isn't the Theros non-foil if my plan was to churn in the mid-term. And the reason for that is when we look at CK and we look at what they're they're buying, they're not buying many copies of any other version of this card besides the Theros non-set. So if we're looking to buy list, that's the way we're going to go. However, if I was going to go for a longer term hold and whether the Double Masters 22 and Warhammer Commander deck possible reprints, I would look at the set foil before the launch party foil, despite the launch party foil having unique art. 
And the reason for this is that that's the one that commands the premium, the set foil. The, the least, it's not the least printed one because we've seen it in the commanders. Uh, where's the other foil from? Uh, Masters 25, obviously. Yes. But for whatever reason, not a lot of not not a lot of demand on that one but yeah we have one piece of unique art on this card and it's the launch foil promo but what we've been seeing recently is that one piece of unique art doesn't always mean it's the best version to buy sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't a lot of this recent stuff especially for commander things when it's not a secret layer card doesn't always pull a premium it in the original uh alt art the very similar art there are a million launch foils floating around because launch day was essentially just release so everybody who showed up to the release draft or whatever events just got these for free whether or not that equals the quantity that was opened in time definitely not but the fact that they're just free flowing and available in binders it's kind of damning for this overall i do mention the possibility of the double masters 22 reprint and warhammer reprints and i don't think we'll get them but watsi has we've mentioned a number of times likes terrible puns and the Biden is too so here we are and then I'm sure somebody in the Warhammer universe uses a weapon that could be co-opted and this will dovetail yeah. into your pick where they just it's somebody's weapon something cool in the Warhammer universe and then underneath in a really tiny text it says Biden of Thassa yep. that could definitely be something we see in the Warhammer stuff so those would be the, yeah. the the storm I would weather. I think we would have to weather with this pick. And if I was going to just try and churn once we get there or after that, and I wanted to insulate myself, that's when I would look at the set foil. Otherwise, churn prior to that, set non-foil. I love this card. Uh, I've had my eye on it for a long time. I think it's undervalued. I think the effect is very powerful and its activated ability is also actually really good. Um, especially in EDH, where it's so much more of a political game than it is, you know, in constructed play, obviously. Uh, I think it's really solid. I think it's underplayed, if anything. Uh, and I like the shout-out to the different foil versions and how, you know, that kind of matters, because it's the only printing of one of the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I I love it. I, it's nice to get away from green EDH cards and go for a blue one. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. There you. is an interesting bit of politicking where you can do... Thank you, by the, by the way. Uh, yeah. If you sit behind propaganda and yeah. you make your opponents attack, it's very difficult yep. to break through a propaganda with the entire squad. So It definitely is. You can actually play a weird controlly game and a game of politics with this and cards like Aether Spout and like uh, Evacuation. You're yep. like, oh, cool. Nice army. Bloop. Nerd. See you later. Bye. Yep. All right. So to to dovetail that, like, really cool yes. name, tiny text, Biden of Thassa. Uh, so I am so I'm calling out all of the Godzilla promos. Uh, the one that I cited specifically is Garuda, uh, which is Gigan Cyberclaw of Terror. So why? Well, if you take a look at the stocks graph, they're pretty flat. They're pretty low on there. But something important is coming from this. So. For those of you that follow Toho and Kaiju and Godzilla and everything, there's actually a show coming to HBO Max in 2022. Q2. Monarch, about the organization that does the research. Oh, so that's... If anybody has followed the through line for all the movies, that's the Brian Cranston, Godzilla, uh, 
the Kong that's set during the Vietnam War into Godzilla, King of Monsters, into Kong vs. Godzilla. Spoiler alert, it's not about both of those characters. Yeah. Uh, and it's very much like it is going to, I think, cause another surge okay. in the desire for these. There is also, more importantly, next year, coming out in Japan, Godzilla the Kaiju Invasion. Now, why is that more important? Because a few months ago, the driver on these prices, when they started to surge a little bit, was 95. Because they were arbitraging them oh. to Japan and China because of a movie release. Hmm. So in a few months, when Monarch hits, when the Kaiju Invasion hits we're probably going to see those buy list numbers start to elevate on these. And there was a while there where 95 was literally paying TCG low for some of the non-foil Godzilla promos. And it wasn't just your, you know, your big characters yeah. like Mothra and Godzilla. It was all that of them. That includes Baby Godzilla, Mothra's Egg, uh, yep. Caesar, Cesar, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. And Gigan. Uh, so as far as timeline goes, this is going to be kind of an interesting one. The reason I say that is because obviously these releases have an impact on it. Why it's going to be interesting is because a lot of people don't know it, but 95 does have an online buy list that mirrors their GP buy list. If we don't have paper events, it is going to be very important to check that buy list number. They're not the only people that are going to be buying it for more. Naturally, as they start to hoover up inventory, as they start purchasing it off of TCG Player, you'll start to see Card Kingdom move on their buy yeah. numbers. You'll start to see Star City move on their buy numbers. But if you want to get in on the first wave before some of this stuff starts to get saturated, you're looking at Q2 next year, speaking of saturated, uh, is when I would start checking 95's website for the buy list on these numbers or on these cards and i think it'd be very easily if you buy in now to profitably buy list and in some cases double up mm -hmm. incredibly easily at that time uh and it's harkens back to something we touched on earlier this year when we talked about how getting into these pop culture influences with warhammer and lord of the rings and whatever all of a sudden that's something else you have to pay attention yeah. to so this is a very bizarre call out but monarch's coming there's a new movie coming to Japan. There's going to be a lot of hype around Godzilla and Kaiju and this license, which Hasbro has. What about reprints, you may ask? Well, the interesting thing about these is that while they're not specifically tied to a plane, Ikoria was the perfect environment for them because it was literally just big, dumb monsters. So it makes it kind of hard to reprint these as something else, unless there's a Godzilla secret lair, which... Oh, wait, we already got one of those. So the odds of these seeing a reprint anytime soon, I would think, are fairly slim. And worst case scenario, uh, for those of you following along, there are four Godzilla movies coming out in 2023. So if you end up sitting on them till 2023, I'm sorry, but there's no way you don't profitably buy list at that point. Either way, I'd be looking at about Q2 when this stuff starts to hit and pay attention to those international buy lists that's what matters yeah. I, there are a lot of lessons in this and so i i, I appreciate this pick for that um one of the ones i want to 
Echo is the last one you made. You pay attention to international buy lists because that's where a lot of arbitrage happens. We've we've talked about it before, and this has been a decades long thing, where magic cards do flow across the globe. They do, uh, and it's not just yeah. high end stuff. They they do move, and there's there's money to be made if you can follow along. And this is a great example of it because this is an IP that gets re- released in different places at different times. Uh, there. The Godzilla property is unique in what's going on in the U.S. and our movie market is interesting because that moves, move those movies do make it overseas and they are part of the current Godzilla ecosystem. But there's been a number of other releases that hit Japan first and eventually make it onto Netflix and stuff like that. So you can yeah. kind of follow along and see what's going on. But trend tracking outside of that is extremely important to stay ahead. So something. Uh, we, we've talked about before is also first to market uh, essentially first on a thread these are the, yeah. the first riffs on an IP that we've seen like this so there's going to be a premium cast on them anyway in time and I'll always point at FTV Dragons heinous yep. set heinous good lord it is bad it's like Coca Show and a bunch of blank pieces of cardboard yeah but it carries a premium because it was the first not just because it was short printed but it held a premium and still does because it's first to market uh we were talking about the san diego comic-con promos before this the same thing with the first one like the planeswalkers available at the time compared to what we have now and the choices they made in the over the years makes that one look rancid but yeah it's real bad. First to market. It's Lily Vess and four blank pieces, four black pieces of cardboard. Yeah. First to market, right? Premium. So the same thing's going to happen here. And I, I think the other lesson here is you called out that it's not just the foils, it's the non foils that are moving. And those are extremely approachable. Uh, very. I was very curmudgeonly about this stuff when it first came out. I still dislike the secret layer. Same. The lands. I really dislike the lands. I just don't think they were good. They didn't fit with the rest of this property. I'm also not the biggest fan of the IP, so I was just sitting on it curmudgeonly. And I think I I bought a box of Akoria, so I got one of them. I got the mono red Godzilla. And over time, I softened up on it, and I bought the main characters because for all the reasons I just mentioned. And I'm going to sit on the main characters. I didn't... Still curmudgeonly about it, thinking about it, I didn't think to expand my search past the main characters. But it's the entire cast that matters. <clears throat> because a rising tide you know, lifts all ships. And that's what will happen here. You'll be able to buy in yeah. to any of these even some of the dumb goofy ones uh that dirtle turtle i think that's the mono red godzilla the one that just like you cycle it away you shuffle it back into your deck and like the fourth time you cycle it you just play it for free whoop de poop that card is hot garbage but it has a godzilla promo just like the egg and baby godzilla baby godzilla is like one of the many jump the sharks in the in the godzilla line before they're rebooted that's gonna go you gotta look into yep. it. It's not just, you know, Sprite Dragon, because it was playable. 
for a while. It's not just the main characters. It's going to be everything. And I think the the only thing that worries me about this isn't a reprint because at that point the set symbol will change. Yeah. Or the frame might change. The only thing that worries me is the premium placed on different languages. And like that's not a huge care, right? I, I don't no. I care and I worry, but it's not that great. I just don't know if there'll be a premium, where it'll be, and if I need to care about it. I think the only one that matters the only one that doesn't fall into this is Cyber Godzilla, because I think it comes in Japanese only. I think that is, yeah. And I might be wrong about this. I'm just checking TCG player real quick. One of them only comes in uh, Japanese, I thought. Oh, good. I can't find it. No, I remember it because it, we could only get it stateside in the uh, three card packs, the promo packs or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, uh, is there? Do they separate Cyber and Mecha? Oh, you know what? Yeah, that could be. Well, it. there's one. Uh, so there's one that comes in Japanese, and there's one that came from a secret layer. Yeah, it's the Mecha Godzilla Crystal and Giant. Yeah, that came from the secret layer with Arcbound Ravager. Yeah. And or that was the Hangerback Walker. Yeah. yeah. Battle Fortress. Yeah, it came with Arcbound Ravager and. Was that one Megatron or something else is Megatron? It was this weird, yeah. goofy IP secret layer. Whatever one that is, set that one aside. I'm pretty sure there's one that only comes in Japanese. And that's an easy buy. It's a main character. It's something like Cyber Godzilla or Mecha. One or the other. And it, it, it's Mecha, Crystal, and yeah. Giant. That's the one. Um, and like Teehee, Death Corona, whatever. There, There's not a premium on that card based on what's going on no. in the world never was people just wanted to place money on it it's a just a fucking scientific term man there's one eye <laughs> the sun is one it's yes. facts people look it up it's on the internet and i, I think this is this is a, a a great call out and i'm sure we'll do some more of these as we go through uh, well baldur's gate one has my interest peaked but we'll talk about that in yep. like I don't know, six months or Q4, whatever the heck it is. In, uh, Whenever Yeah, happens. this year. And I think that all the lessons attached to this card and this style of card are important, and I think people need to remember them, either when they're shopping for this card or in general. Just yeah, down, down sure. the line. Because there's something that can be used elsewhere for benefit. And, you know, this is a low-hanging fruit from the bunch, obviously but when you just look at them as a whole i think it's a, a great place to be it's the holiday season you could probably buy all of them on facebook marketplace from somebody who's more than willing to throwing them at you throw them at you for a really oh. decent price as a gift f it go big or go home on godzilla i guess yeah but that's what he did exactly um when it comes to like stacking to the ceiling i think i'd actually feel okay based on the price of a lot of these Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially the non-foils. Like you said, they're super approachable. I wouldn't mind going like 10 to 20, 30, 40 in some cases. Because, like, again, look, worst case scenario, you wait till 23 when there's four movies that come out. And all of a sudden, the pop culture surge is enormous because now we've got an MCU of Godzilla movies. Yeah. Uh, right. Yep. And, and at the end of the day, I think it 
all that really is going to determine how many you buy is if you want to focus more on the main characters or not. We talked about this before, you know, Ghidorah is like the most expensive extra, quote unquote. Uh, imagine yep. that Ghidorah being extra in uh of the most expensive extra in the uh Aquarius set, which includes all the extended arts for the regular cards. So it's yeah. just like how deep do you want to go on the big guys will really affect how much you want to go. Ah, oh, finally, Mecha Godzilla Japanese alt art. That's the one. Dang, yep. got it. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. There's only one. It's the it, it's the only actual like Mecha Godzilla. The BioQuartz one, Space Godzilla is is one, but it's not the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Ah, finally. But yeah, I think if you're gonna move in, I think I would. Oh God, I was. I feel so bad. I just shit on this so hard when it first came out. I think I'd go across the entire set. I think I'd blanket the set i just carpet bomb it and get one of everything yeah. right just pick up yeah pick up everything hold it 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 will most you'll get your premium on the big guys you'll sell everything at the end of the day and it's not going to be difficult to move the entire set in time and then yeah absolutely you can you can build your stacks as you see fit but yeah i think this is definitely something that i feel happy stacking to the ceiling for sure it's great absolutely license products in moderation with relevant licenses yeah. that are currently in pop culture all right are good all right pop quiz hotshot so Ghidorah king of the cosmos is yeah the most expensive extra when looking at market non-foil but it's not mm -hmm. the most expensive market foil it's number two what do you think is number one and I'll, spl I'll split uh, it. It's not a Godzilla card. But it is extra. Uh, Loris. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Gotta Loris be. is... Not close. That's how much extra Loris is. Yeah, that's that ridiculous. Fucking God. Yeah, it's just a good pup. Oh, no, it's a cat. Ooh, I forgot about that. Ooh. But... <laughs> kitties yeah. <laughs> that is got anything no, else i think i'm good uh for this week you know the, the holiday stuff and the lessons that come along with your pick i think are the highlights of this episode biden the thoughts for i can sure. just sit on sit on the sidelines it's just Rip. oh yeah easy to pick up the edh binders galore but i think that's gonna do it yeah, for it's... us this week unless there's anything else you want to touch on Right. Nope, I'm so, good. Uh, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio. I'm trying to think. We've we've pushed this everywhere now. Yeah, we're there. Just look up Cabalcast. Yeah. You'll find us. The only place we're not is the podcast app, and that that defeated me. That is that's the only thing that, that yeah. killed my soul. But I am I am Halt I am Reptar on Twitter if you want to get at me, you are at Thirsty we'll see you Sizzler. Next week. See ya.